Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Woolsey, 801 on Saturday morning. Great to have you here this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning talking about your money, your investments, the economy, how to grow your net worth and all these important things to well, grow your net worth. And with me, as always, almost always, is Chase. Good morning, Chase. How you doing? Good morning. Doing well. The week's just tick on by here. I can't believe, uh, is it next weekend is Halloween? No. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is crazy. I mean, the holidays are virtually here. So, uh, And I bring that up because we do have a report this morning on the National Retail Federation, the spending and so forth. A lot of great things to talk about. Uh, by the way, if you want to join the show, uh, we usually tend to kind of do a catch-up of what happened the past week, kind of bring you up to speed on what's going on. Uh, phone number is here, 866-577-2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three, and as always, that'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. But let's talk about the National Retail Federation is predicting a new all-time record for Halloween spending, which will reach wow, ten point one billion dollars this year. The previous record was nine point one billion, and that was four years ago, back in two thousand seventeen. Wow, I mean that that is. That's crazy to see that amount of spending and not surprising with all the money out there in the economy, but there could be a problem. I mean, as you guessed it, shortages are already appearing at many of your main retailers. Uh, I'm sure in those container ships that are stuck off the coast, there are plenty of scary decorations and the (laughs) ideal costume to impress all your friends. And I mean, gosh, you know, we had clients in the office yesterday and had a nice meeting with them. And, you know, we're talking, I was like, the pictures are just astonishing. Yeah. When you look at those massive ships that are just right off the coast of Los Angeles and Long Beach. It, it, it just blows me away. And, and I mean, this problem is not going to be fixed anytime soon. No. I mean, this is going to go into next year. There, there's no way, even if you were able to unload all the stuff, you still have the trucking shortages and the labor shortages. And just to get all that stuff out of the ports and out of the warehouse warehouses, it's going to take a lot, a lot of time. But I mean, just to see that spending level, I mean, that, that that's amazing. Right. And, and actually, I've heard the numbers now, 100 uh, ships. I, I don't know if that's a true number or not, but that's what I've heard. It's now approached 100 or 70. Now it was like 57 and a, like there's 57 off the shore and then 100 in the port. The, it's and, a, and it could be the L.A. ports and the Long Beach yeah. ports together because those two are together. And then, then I've had, I've heard this past week, I also heard, and this is terrible. Part of the problem is we've, we've talked about the truckers and how they don't have it, uh, truck drivers, but also, too, in the state of California, I found out this past week, that if your truck is more than 11 years old, sorry, you can't drive it in California. Well, I remember when I was in the service stuff, we had trucks that were like 30, 40 years old. You can keep a vehicle going for many years, and just because it's 11 years old, well, that's not very old if you take care of your vehicle. Uh, it's really not. I mean, it's, 
It's crazy, just just kind of some of the regulations that you look at it and it's like, well, it's no wonder we're having problems. Yeah, yeah, they're self-inflicted problems. So we will get through them, but it's just a shame. And again, you might have to go uh, take a little rowboat, go out to one of the <laughs> these big container ships and get your your costume because that's where they could be sitting. So we will see. But I, I think, uh, again, the prediction is $10.1 billion that may be missed because they just can't get them uh yeah, I mean, I think that does lead into, we've talked about the holiday season. I'm sure we'll get some more numbers on holiday spending uh, here shortly, but I, I do anticipate having a great holiday season. I mean, you see the numbers on, on Halloween. I, I anticipate strong strong items with Thanksgiving, especially last year. We weren't, <laughs> we weren't supposed to right. gather for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people are going to get back together, and uh, I think same with Christmas. Yeah. Could be a short of turkeys too. Yeah, we'll see more about that as we get closer to Thanksgiving. But uh, that's going to be a shame as well. And also, too, a lot of uh, electronics uh, come Christmas. They may not be there, so it could be a difference of what uh, we're, the people we're spending. We'll we'll keep people posted on that. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, Tesla. Uh, unfortunately, Bre- uh, Brendan's not here because he loves Tesla. But <laughs> Tesla continues to improve on revenue and earnings. Uh, record revenue was reported at thirteen point eight billion dollars, which uh, delivered a one point six billion dollar third quarter profit for the company. Uh, at this time, I have not been able to see how much of the profit has come from tax credits, but we'll keep people posted on that. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be interested to see that. Uh, still, we'll give the company credit for having a delivery increase of 73% more vehicles over last year. I, I mean, I still caution investors. Don't don't think we've flipped the boat and now are, are big Tesla bulls here right. by any means uh, because the, the company continues to trade at lofty valuations. Would not recommend an investment in this company or any company that is so expensive like Tesla. And I, I, I just see it hitting an all-time high. And we've talked about items like this before. But how in the world can Tesla now trade at over nine hundred billion dollars in terms of market cap? It's approaching a trillion. Yeah. And GM is still under a hundred billion dollars. Hundred billion? I don't think that's my. That's under hundred billion. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. I'll pull it up right now. I believe when I looked at it the other day, it was eighty-six billion was GM's market right. cap. And, you know, Chase, when I was younger, uh, I, I remember we had this Uncle Carl who was the rich guy from California. And all of a sudden, he came back disconnected. And I go, well, what happened? Carl lost all his money in the stock market. Well, this is how you lose money in the stock market. I'm not saying that Tesla's going to go broke. I mean, Tesla has some fine cars. It's a great company. But this is how the Uncle Carls of the world, they, they, they pay these lofty valuations for these companies and all of a sudden, it just disappears. It happened in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the tech boom and bust. It's going to happen again. And and this is why when you invest, and this is why you know people say, oh, you didn't buy Tesla. It's like, no, I didn't buy Tesla. I'll never buy a Tesla. I'll yeah. never buy that type of company. I will buy your companies that I know will weather the storm, maybe eight, make 8, 10, maybe 12% on average per year, your food companies, your financial companies, good, solid businesses, because I've seen too many people that have lost their money and big amounts of money by investing in the high valuation companies and it happens over and over and over and this time is no different you're gonna have the same thing happen with the high valuation companies i mean it, it just it doesn't make sense i mean tesla's gonna be a trillion dollar company i, I hate when people it's not a car co- it's a car company where do right. all their money and profits and sales cars yeah. you, you know it Elon Musk does a great job with SpaceX. He does a great job with Tesla. And, you know, as, as much as I, I question some of, you know, his antics, I, I, he's done a great job. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I will admit I was wrong several years ago when we looked at saying 
Tesla's going to go bankrupt and well, all and these issues. We were wrong, but they did come very close going bankrupt. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. yeah. They made I it mean, through, and congratulations on that. But we were not wrong based on what the, the balance sheet looked like and so forth. They were going to go bankrupt. So. Yeah, and I, I will say, I, I just pulled this up because I <laughs> just makes me laugh. <laughs> um, Kathy Wood, I, I was curious what her target sell price on Tesla is. Uh, right now, she said in five years, her base price target is $3,000 a share. That's like uh, more than a 300% gain. That yeah. means Tesla, I believe, would trade at over a $3 trillion market cap in five years. Yeah, because it's close to a trillion. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and, and these are the type of crazy things. You have these same type of crazy people in the tech boom and bust. Oh, you know, Cisco is going to be worth, you know, trillions of dollars and so forth. And they're going to do it. This is where people get burned in the stock market by being part of the hype. And yeah. and we do run a concentrated portfolio, so we cannot invest in these crazy companies. Now, if you want to go out and, and, and you bought, I don't know, 0.1% of your portfolio on it, congratulations, you, you've done well. But be very careful because this is how the Uncle Carl's of the world, uh, wow, he's so rich, and all of a sudden he is not so rich. And he, I think he had to live with his sister because he lost everything. It's just a, it's a terrible thing, and it's because you do the craziness. And and uh, we don't have anything to talk about Bitcoin today and the, the ETF, but we'll maybe talk about that more next week. But just craziness is where people lose their money. And what I don't like, Chase, is I don't like that people say, well, the stock market's risky. And we've said so many times, the stock market is not risky if you do the right things. But if you're out there paying these high prices, these high value companies, it is risky. Well, and the thing I look at as well is, is a lot of times the people that are investing in the Tesla, They've seen all these people make a thousand percent on their money, and they're like, "Oh, I, I wanted to get into that." Yeah, I don't believe that Tesla should go up ten percent, but a ten percent return—if they were up ten percent next year—that'd be a pretty darn good return. Yeah, you know, that, wow, that's not bad. The problem is the people that invest in Tesla, ten percent is nothing to them. Yeah, they, they'd be disappointed with that type of return. And yeah. probably sell it next year. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, I only made ten percent. This is terrible. <laughs> and I, I just, I don't know. I, I think it's attracting the wrong type of investor into it, and it's just hype investing. That's all it is. Yeah. I mean, you, you, as I said, it, it, it probably now again is worth. And I, I'm just throwing out numbers here. It could be worth again the top next ten auto manufacturers combined. Yeah. And it, it, it just throws out the idea of competition. I, I saw an interesting. Um, discussion on it saying that you know tesla is not the next amazon it's the next aol oh really yeah wow. and they were saying that amazon has really distinguished distinguished itself to really kind of have no competitors i mean right you, when you talk about buying something i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna go to amazon i mean they have every they've done a great job I and mean, again i'm not saying go invest in amazon but they said with aol there was just so much competition out there with the boom and uh, the internet. Okay. And they're saying the same thing with electric cars. It It's not like Tesla is the only electric car maker. And I, I just don't see with, you know, the, the Hummer EV coming out next year. Right. Tesla doesn't have, and I believe Mary Barra actually challenged Tesla saying, we have 25 EV models coming out by 2025. Tesla has a yeah. Cybertruck? Well, you know, the, the, like the Cybertruck has been delayed as well. I know. Yeah. But by 2025, I don't think they have anything <clears throat> that's new coming out right. where GM has 25 new models coming right. out by then. And also, too, I mean, Tesla has done a great job of turning things around, opening factories and all these great things. 
but it's not worth, I don't want to trade that, uh, 200 times earnings. It's not worth that because again, they're not the only model that is out there. And you've got a Porsche just came out with their, their car that just, and they said, we're far better than, than Tesla. Now you do pay more for the new Porsche. I think it's called the Tyann, I think is what they call it. Yeah. Um, but it's far better than a Tesla car. And it's got the Porsche name behind it. So competition's coming. And what did Warren Buffett always say? He doesn't like competition because yeah. what that does is bring down prices, causes problems. So, Well, you look at a company like Lucid Motors as well. That's a new one that, yeah. that is is also quite attractive to a lot of people. Uh, and it me up here. Oh, well, Tesla's doing great in China. China does not want Tesla to be the premier auto <laughs> manufacturer in China. They right. want NIO or they want, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on the other one, but they, they have their own that they would rather right. see win than Tesla. Yeah, it, 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 and I would not be betting my money on China. There's so many things with China that are going on. I uh, Last week I had uh, lunch with uh, Mike Pompeo, the uh, uh, Secretary of State uh, under Trump, and he was talking about one of his big concerns is China um, and how things are not going the direction that we want to. We need to stop it now. And China does not, you're right, they don't want Tesla there. I mean, they want them there, but they want them there to maybe, I'll say, steal their their uh, their uh, technology. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, so. maybe. And I will say real quick is, you know, I, hey, Tesla looks like a great value here. What? Uh, it was trading at eight. <laughs> remember, it was trading at eighteen hundred earnings. Yeah. Now it's only trading at three hundred times earnings. Oh, wow, wow. that's crazy. That's so, based off history, I mean, gosh, this thing could go yeah. up six times. You know. <laughs> yeah. But we do have to check uh, to see how many, uh, how much of that profit is coming from tax credits and not from yeah. actually manufacturing. And, and on a forward basis, it looks like it's trading at about a hundred. 50 times Ooh, forward earnings. Value company. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding, folks. Please don't go out and buy based on the value. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got one more thing to talk about. Uh, do you want to get the phone numbers one more time? 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I do see coming up first will be Mike. But I do want to talk about before we go to Mike is uh, Amazon uh, announces they'll be hiring 150,000 workers on a temporary basis for the holiday season. The starting wage at Amazon is $18 an hour, and they said that these employees will be eligible for a sign-on bonus and hourly bonuses as well. Uh, there doesn't seem to be enough workers, as it will add to the equation, that Walmart and all these others are adding workers as well. Yeah, I mean, you look at Walmart in particular, they're looking at adding 150,000 people, Target 100,000 people. Uh, then also, too, Federal Express and UPS are looking at 200,000 workers for the holiday season as well. Uh, just in these few companies, now you're talking about 600,000 workers. Now, the problem is, where will they come from, and what type of bonuses and pay will companies have to come up with to get people to work? I mean, these costs will probably be passed along in higher prices to the consumer, more signs of future inflation, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and also, tell me, and, and I did see this past week, uh, a restaurant in, I believe, New York City, uh, high-end restaurant, obviously, but they are paying their their servers uh, two thousand dollars a week to to be there. And I don't think they're going to get tips. I don't think so. But if they do, that'd be even more. But this is what's happening to get workers. You have to pay them a large amount. Uh, but also too with with uh, Amazon and Target, it's not just going to be the workers. It's getting the products to sell. So I mean, you very tough time to be a retailer right now. Yeah, I mean it's it's not easy. And I I, I do have a post that that I wrote uh, this past week. Um, and we will be posting it next week. So uh, I think we should talk kind about kind it of here. Tease here. Yeah, a little yeah. tease. But but looking at these different industries uh, that, that are kind of struggling, like the hotels and um, the uh, restaurants and bars, is where does their employment stand now 
and how much more are they paying their workers versus yeah. before the pandemic? And it's been an increase. I don't have the numbers with me. That's why I got to tease with it. So I think we should talk about that next week because there's some interesting numbers there. Yeah, it'll be a scary show next week. Yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll see you, Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, uh, next week we do have uh, Dan McAllister, the um, uh, tax collector for San Diego, talking about property taxes coming up. So I'm excited to have him on Yeah, uh, talk about that. So, All right, phone number is 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Mike. Mike, you're in the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning there, gentlemen. Uh, uh, great to talk to you guys today. Um, actually, uh, my, my stock for today, uh, Winnebago Industries, WGO. Do you hold that or looking to buy it? I, I do not. Actually, um, I, I was looking at uh, uh, different earnings reports uh, over the last week and, and saw the Winnebago had popped up and kind of intrigued me. I, I don't normally look at small cap companies. And, um, but, you know, in comparison, I, I thought it looked pretty interesting. wanted to get your take on it. Yeah, I know they did very well over the past year because they went down like many companies did uh, because of COVID. But they really exploded after that as people wanted to travel, and this was a way to do it. So I'm, I'm glad you called about Winnebago because I, w- I do want to check into it and see what it looks like. They're as simple as WGO. Uh, short, uh, percentage short is a little bit higher than I would expect. It's 12.9%. Uh, institutional ownership is 92%. Uh, the P.E. ratio does look good, though, 8.1 versus 13.1. Price to sales, 0.6 versus 1%. Price to book value, 2.1 versus 4.7. And price to tangible value is 7.1. The industry is 100 plus, so it's pretty expensive for the industry, but not for Winnebago. Price to cash flow, 9.7 versus 10.2. And they have a nice peg ratio here of 0.5. That is half the industry at one. Now, looking at the growth, what they have done, wow, their one-year earnings change, uh, earnings per share is 285%. But the whole industry uh, did do well, growing 265%. But the five-year average does uh, favor Winnebago at 33.4 versus 17.1. The sales growth over the last year is a 41.4% versus 21.3. Sales over the last five years is 27.8. The industry not quite as well at 4.8. And the five-year estimated share growth estimate is 15% for Winnebago. Looking at the industry to grow at 35% on their earnings. So a little bit better for the industry there. They do pay a dividend. Uh, 1.1% is what they pay. That's the same as the industry. They only use uh, 6.6% of their earnings to pay that out, so that is not too uh, too bad there. It means they could, in my opinion, probably raise it. Actually, the one-year change is up 50%. Five-year change is 12 and a half. so they seem to grow that dividend, probably a little change with COVID uh, last year. Take a look at the balance sheet. we got a current ratio of 2.6. That's very good. The industry is at one8 Debt to equity, 50% for Winnebago. The industry is at 100%. We do see that the inventory here, this is important. Days inventory is 44.2 versus 244. And days sales outstanding is 24.9 versus 45. So uh, the inventory and the sales, uh, Winnebago far better than the industry. We do see a net profit margin, 7.2 versus 7.6. Return equity is 23.8. I'm okay with that for Winnebago. The industry does show 48.9. Chase, what do you got going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Winnebago, again, uh, ticker symbol WGO, $67.30. Wow, 52-week high, $87.53. So definitely seeing a pullback here. And uh, that occurred in March, so I, it looks like it's been trading downward since uh, earlier this year. Probably energy. 
energy. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, 52-week low, though, on Winnebago, $44.33. That occurred last November. Year-to-date return, uh, it's about up 13%. Not done as well as the market, but uh, it's still up on the year. If I go out to August 2023, though, I see estimated earnings per share of $9.11 would give us a target sell price of $151.23. So that looks very attractive. It trades at 7.4 times future earnings. I mean, uh, great, great valuation. But my problem here is, I mean, I look at going out future years, and, and we go from 10 analysts to one. So you got to take that with a grain of salt. But I look at 2024, $7.97. 2025, $7.19. And I, I do wonder the same thing that this analyst is kind of looking at. They had this big boom. Right, right. What is now going to be the catalyst to have that boom continue? I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think we're going to see people go back to flying, go back right. to Hawaii, go back to their tropical vacations and not get in an RV and travel somewhere. I, I could be wrong on that, but but that is my personal opinion here that I, I just don't see what is going to be the item that continues to, to generate earnings growth for, for Winnebago. And, and Mike, I forget when they had uh, when prices on gas went up before. I think it was like three, four years ago, and the RVs got hammered. Because you look at, I mean, right now I, I got an Escalade. I go and I, I fill my car up now. It, it's about 80, 90 bucks. You, you got a Winnebago. I don't know how big a <laughs> tank they have, but you're probably talking $500 to fill the tank. I mean, that's kind of a turnoff for people. And, it, and, it, and I think that higher energy costs really hurt your RVs. So even though we have high earnings estimates going forward, I don't know if that's baked into the equation yet. Yeah, and I, I, I don't <clears throat> think energy prices are going lower. No, that's no. I mean, Joe Biden in his town hall the other day was... He didn't know. <laughs> I won't comment on I that. I know. <laughs> Joe don't know. Yeah. Joe don't know. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I would have to say, even though the numbers look good on the earnings going forward, Mike, I, I just don't feel comfortable with what energy prices can do. And I think you could see those earnings estimates come down as energy stays at least at the current levels. I mean, here in California, the average cost for a gallon of gas is, what, $4.45, four fifty, or whatever. So not good for, for, for the Winnebago's of the world. Right. I, well, it, I typically don't look at these uh, specialty uh, companies that much. I, it, it just intrigued me, and I, I noticed a lot of um, uh, friends and family had uh, taken to the RV route. But when I was reading on some of the reports, uh, actually one of the increases that I, I saw was the towables rather than the actual units, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that they had also acquired the um, you know, the, the Chris Craft uh, into the uh, water boats. So. Uh, mm-hmm. Hmm. It's definitely a specialty inter- recreational uh, type, but um, yeah. I appreciate your uh, insight there, and it probably still be on my watch list of things to kind of see how it goes. So yeah, and I would think maybe not now, but maybe next year. And I don't think it's going to happen. But if you see energy price, prices stabilize or go down, uh, the president does do something different where he does open the pipeline or something else that could help these companies. But I, I really think that their their big concern right now is the cost of energy. But uh, watch that, and could be a better buy down the road. All righty. All right. Well, you guys have a good uh, weekend, and, and uh, take care. You too, Mike. Thanks All for right. calling. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. That does open up the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go to Oceanside and speak with another Mike. Mike, you're on the Smart Vegetable and Brent Chase. How can we help you? How are you guys doing this morning? Um I would like to stay on topic. You guys talked about Tesla and, um, you know, you mentioned some of the other electric vehicles. Um, 
curious about Ford. You know, they got this Ford Lightning F-150 truck market is huge in the United States and other places. Um, the thing is going to be able to power your home for three to ten days in the case of an emergency. You know, they're going to convert the Mustang, which has been, you know, the trucks and the Mustangs have been their biggest seller. And, you know, Ford seems like they were a company, World War II, they were able to gear up quickly, change their assembly lines. And uh, being a U.S. company, you don't have the issues of shipping, which is an issue right now. And I think it's trading at 16 bucks, but, um, you know, it was a lot better at 12 Uh but uh, just wanted to see. I know they're not paying a dividend anymore, but uh, what your thoughts were on that and maybe some of the other top American companies that are positioned well. Sure. And I'm glad you called about Ford. I mean, I, I give Ford uh, some credit here because they really turned things around on yep. the, the EV side. I think it was like just two, three years ago, GM was way on front. Uh, Ford didn't have much on the drawing board, so to speak, and, and now they've really come around. They've got some good things, so they are being a a, a good competitor. I, I do want to look at their numbers here, too. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm curious on, on Ford as well. I mean, GM talks a lot about different, like, kind of ancillary revenue streams and kind of more service-based revenue. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious what Ford has in that, because if you can get that reoccurring revenue, that's where Wall Street generally will kind of increase your, your multiple mm -hmm. uh, on, on what you're paying for the earnings or sales and so forth. So I, I, that's one thing I would be curious on, on Ford is, how can they kind of generate reoccurring revenue? Are they in that same boat as GM where they, they have those different business lines they're working on? Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting you say that because I also read that they're, they're, um, they're, they're combining with Sunrun to do a project whereby they will uh, uh, build into your home the, the ability to be able to go from home to car, car to home, um, more of a power station type of an idea for your home. And, and I'm wondering if that's something that might be relative to in this environment. Uh, you, you know, and, and I and I do believe that GM is still the, the leader here because they're doing so many, they have the crews, they have a lot more things on that. But I think Ford, you bring up some things that Ford is trying to like, they're, they're not just sitting back saying, oh, we're just going to sell cars. They, yep. they are doing other things as well. Um, I do want to look at the numbers because I'm very curious. I yeah. wish I could kind of compare it to GM, but I, I don't have that capability right now. But let's look mm -hmm. at some numbers at Ford right now. Uh, they are obviously in the auto manufacturers industry. Uh, short, very small, 2.6%. Not worried about people shorting it. Uh, I am surprised institutional ownership is only 54.2. That's pretty low, I would think, for a car company, but that's what it is. Uh, now, they their, their P-E ratio, not a great deal here. 19.1, that is the same as the industry. Price of sales is good, though, 0.5 versus 1.2. Price of tangible book value, 1.9 versus 4.5. That is good. Price of cash flow, 3.1 versus 8.5. And they got a nice pay ratio here of 0.2. And I say that because the industry is at 2.8. Now, their earnings uh, have not grown over the past year. Uh, did they report earnings this past week, Chase? I don't think they did. I don't believe they did, yeah, no. Okay, yeah, because I thought maybe they just reported earnings, but no, they did not. So no no earnings growth over the, over the past year. Industry was at 65.4. The five-year uh, earnings per share growth uh, for Ford is a negative a decline of 14%, industry up 1.4. Now, sales growth, again, nothing impressive here. 4.2% for Ford, 7.2 for the industry. Five-year sales growth for Ford, a negative uh, 2.3. Industry was a negative 6.1. However, the five-year estimated earnings per share growth is 72% for Ford, uh, showing good things going forward versus 29.4 for the industry. And again, no dividend there. Looking at the balance sheet, we got a current ratio of 1.2. That is slightly under the industry at 1.7. Debt to equity, 430% versus 
uh, 80% for the industry. But again, there's probably a lot of accounts receivable or loans uh, that they do the car loans in there. So you got to kind of dig deeper into that. Uh, very important for these companies are days inventory. 42.5 versus 56. That's a positive for Ford. However, days sales outstanding is 115 versus 50. So they're having a little bit of trouble with their sales there. Could be because of the shortage of maybe not getting the vehicles. Net profit margin, 2.5 for Ford. 6% uh, for the industry. Return on equity is 9.9 versus 12.3. Chase, what do you got over there? Yeah, so uh, current price for Ford, $16.28. 52-week high, well, that's $16.70. Uh, that just occurred actually a, a few days ago uh, on October 21st, so uh, trading right near that level. 52-week low, though, for Ford, $7.61 occurred last October. Year-to-date return here, 85%. So, I mean, it, it's definitely had a, a phenomenal 2021. Uh, I'd say people are definitely giving it a lot more respect now, I think, kind of with the Ford Lightning, I think that was a big thing, the F-150 Lightning, uh, that, that really generated that catalyst to, to send them higher. But going forward for Ford, I see 2022 estimated earnings per share, $1.85, would give us a target sell price here at $30.71. So, I mean, it looks very strong on, on those valuation levels. On a Ford PE basis, that's about 8.8. .8. Now, you said you wish you could compare it to GM. I, I right. did pull up GM. Oh, they're trading at 8.5 times future earnings. So now Ford is actually trading at a higher valuation than GM, which mm. is honestly quite shocking to me. I, I think GM is a better company here. I think they deserve a higher multiple than Ford. But uh, I, I think what's happened is you've gotten the momentum, and I think momentum yeah. investors kind of come into Ford. Oh, it's up 85%. I want to get into it. I, I, I think, honestly, GM is a better buy here just because uh, – they the valuation. More, the valuation. And I think it's a better think, spot. And they have, oh, is it uh, Bright, Bright Point or something? Yeah. Like that. Uh, General Motors has a lot of different things going on, and I love the CEO, Mary Barr. I mean, she has really done a great job. I don't know as much about Ford and their CEO. They have turned things around compared to being what I would call a dead company, but I just don't know how far they have come, which kind of concerns me on the valuations, as Chase said. So I, I, I'm not thrilled with it, Mike. Um uh, <laughs> I mean, it looks okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So. All right, great. Thanks a lot. All right, Mike, thanks for calling. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. All righty, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Invest Show. Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, Brent Chase. Hey, um. I have a question about a stock, Silvergate Capital. It's a, kind of a local bank, but I, I believe they kind of process transactions for a lot of the uh, crypto trades. And uh, I know they're probably way overvalued, but I'm just curious as to what the numbers say their uh, valuation should be. And let me let me take a closer look. Oh, shoot, I did the same thing again. I, I said, oh, shoot, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, Let's see, Silvergate Capital, yeah. I mean, that because I'm getting something different here on the industry. I'm getting a uh, utilities regulated water, and you said it's a bank. What, what are you getting? Yeah. yeah. Are you getting uh, Mine's loading. Yours is loading, yeah. The, so, the blue yeah. circle. Yeah, I got banks regional. Yeah, I, I got utilities regulated water. Hit refresh. Water. Uh, let me hit refresh, see what happens. Okay. Uh, let's see if that comes up with the right thing. Yeah, because I kept hitting the same thing. There we go. Okay, that refresh button works pretty good sometimes, doesn't it? Okay, uh, Silvergate Capital, symbol as SI. And uh, Jim, you said you own this, or are you looking to buy it? I'm sorry. No, I, I just I sold it uh, last week, actually, at about 30% profit. Okay, 
All right, we'll take a look to, to see what it looks like now. And, and I do have some concerns on the regional banks and how they're going to make money. So we'll, we'll talk more about that as we go along here. Uh, short uh, is about 9.9%, uh, which is eh, a little bit on the higher side. Uh, institutional ownership, about 78.9. They do have a high P.E. ratio of 53.2 versus 14.4. Price to sales, 23.4 versus 2.5. Price to book value, 3.6 versus 1. And then price to tangible book value, value is 3.6 versus 4.1. Uh, no price to cash flow, no peg ratio going forward. Uh, we do see their earnings per share growth for the one year has been 103%. That's above the industry at 60%. Nothing for the five years. I think it could be a newer company. Sales growth. Yeah, it, is. it is. Okay. Uh, yeah. 49.2 sales growth, uh, well above the industry at 5.6. Uh, they do not pay a dividend. Let's take a look at the balance sheet here. Uh, no current ratio. They show no debt. Uh, looking at the net profit margin, very attractive, 41.3 versus 21. Return on equity, not so good at 5.7 versus 10.2. Um, that's about all I got, Chase. You got anything going forward here? Yeah, so uh, current price here for Silvergate, $145.92, 52-week high, $187.86. I mean... This is quite shocking yeah. <laughs> because the 52-week high occurred on February 2017, and the year-to-date return is up 96%. So that means within the first two months, basically, it just popped. Right. I mean, I mean that, that's a huge, huge return. But uh, 52-week low, $19.15. So I, it's it's definitely appreciated quite nicely off that low. Uh, but going forward for, for Silvergate, I do see in 2022 the company's estimate to make $3.63 would give us a target sell price of $60.26. So yeah, I'd say your inclination was right there, Jim. It, it is quite pricey. It trades at over 40 times earnings, 40 times future earnings, I should say. I will point out, I mean, they are estimated to still see good growth on those earnings. 2023, we do drop from eight analysts to five, but it's estimated to go from $3.63 in earnings to $5.05, estimated growth of about 39%. So um, you know, it's it's interesting to see a bank grow at these levels, but uh, I, I I think I'd rather watch from the sidelines. It's just it's just too pricey for us. And, and Jim, I think you mentioned something about uh, cryptocurrency in there. Well, uh, how what's yeah, the relationship yeah. there? Yes. Well, it says I'm just kind of reading off of Seeking Alpha here. It says Silvergate Capital has emerged as a leader in financial services for the crypto industry. Um, you know, it goes on, but somehow it's, it's related to that. So it, it kind of benefits from the uh, hype around the crypto stuff. Also. Okay. Yeah, yeah, this bank could trade, because uh, I know crypto didn't reach a new high, what, this past week of, I don't know, 67,000. I think it's pulled back somewhat. Uh, so it may trade almost as a cryptocurrency play. So it'll ride with cryptocurrency as opposed to a, a regional bank, which I'd rather being a real bank and not say they're not yeah. a real bank, but a bank that trades on something else <laughs> besides banking industries. A real bank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. That's exactly how it, it kind of, yeah, it's riding the wave there. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'd, I'd, and something like this, I would say, you know, stay away. I, I think you said you made like a 30% profit. So congratulations on that. But I, yeah, I, I made a Right. Yeah. That's what I figured. Yeah. Okay. So, well, good. I would not well, go back in you. though. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, yeah. Jim. Thank you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> right. Alrighty, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And Chase, we do have, I know this coming week, we're going to make some comments on the new ETF. 
for cryptocurrencies. Yep. And if people are not following us on social media, we're on uh, LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, we're, I think those are the two main ones. Oh, Instagram. Instagram, Instagram that was yeah. the other one. Uh, but they can, they can follow, you know, our, our posts that we do, because we do cover some of the important ones here, but we do have other ones that we do go over. Because we, we generally try to do a couple posts a day to try to keep people informed of what's going on, but that's one we'll probably talk about on the radio show next week. But if you do want to follow us, uh, you can go to, uh, on Facebook, it's um, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Uh, that's one thing I do. And then also too, we do the YouTube every Friday. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, yesterday we actually talked about federal express FedEx is uh, what <laughs> I like to call it. But, uh, you know, I talk about the transportation problems, the labor shortages and, and just moving all these goods that people are buying. Right. Uh, what's FedEx look like? Hey, go to our YouTube channel and you just look in smart investing with Brent and Chase. We'll see on YouTube. You can find our weekly stock analysis is what we call it. Our smart investing weekly stock analysis. And, uh, you know, I, I think we have some some, some good uh, episodes there, especially we, we, we take a, a kind of a deeper dive into it on the radio right. show. I'd say we give a, a company about, I don't know, three minutes on average, I would say. Yeah. Uh, where on the, the stock analysis, we'll, we'll jump in there most of the time, 10 to 15 minutes, uh, kind of a deeper dive, as yeah, I said. Talk more about it. And I did make a comment yesterday, and sure enough, I got, I got, I got caught on it. This guy goes, I showed my age because I talked about the Kmart blue uh, light special. And he goes, yeah, you showed your age. I go, yeah. So people that are probably close to my age will understand like, oh yeah, we remember the blue light special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we said about the uh, Federal Express. So if you know what that is, you might want to go check it out. Alrighty. Uh, let's go out to Prescott, Arizona and speak with Rich. Rich, you're on the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, Brent. Uh, this is, I'd, I'd like to get some information on a company called Mosaic. M-O-S is the symbol. Okay. And do you hold that or looking to buy that? Uh, we're looking to buy that, my son and I. Oh, okay. Okay. You have a joint account together? You're going to buy one well, account? Well, <laughs> he's just going to get started with that. We might be opening a small brokerage account for him. Cool. Very cool. All right. Well, well let's take a look at Mosaic. Symbol is M-O-S. Uh, let's see. Oh, I got the wrong place here. Let me go. Here, here we go. Uh, they own the agricultural inputs industry. Uh, very small short uh, on this, a so 1.6%. But 79.7% of the institutions own this one here. Uh, we do see, or actually institutional ownership, not 79.9 or 79.7% of the uh, institutions own, but the ownership is 79.7%. PE ratio, 11.3 versus 29.7. Price to sales, 1.6 versus 1.7. Price to book value checks in at 1.5 versus 1.9. Wow, price of tangible book value, very good. 1.8 versus 30.8. Price of cash flow, 8.4 versus 10.7, and a very nice peg ratio, 1.1 versus 11.9. We do see the growth on earnings over the last year, not material versus 198.6 for the industry. I would want to know what happened to their earnings over the past year. Five-year earnings growth does look good at 24.1 versus 18.2. Sales growth over the last year, 19.7% for Mosaic versus 11.2. Five-year sales growth for Mosaic is only 5.9, not nearly as good as the industry at 19.4. We do see a five-year earnings per share growth estimate, 7% versus 7.3. They do pay a small dividend. It's a 0.7%. I do notice the industry is at 2.4%. They use about 6% of the earnings to pay that out. They could definitely increase that dividend to make it more attractive. Uh, we do see that they have on the balance sheet a current ratio, one2 Versus 1.7, it's lower, but I'm okay with that. Debt to equity, 50% for Mosaic versus 0.6 or 60% for the industry. 
looking at, uh, let's see, day sales outstanding. I'll take a look at that one, 34.1. That's very good. The industry is 86.1. Net profit margin, 14.3 versus 7.3. And then return to equity, 13.7 for Mosaic, which is well above the industry at 6.2. So I like that. What do you got going forward? Yeah, I did look at what this company does exactly. I mean, they, they produce and market concentrated phosphate and potash crop. I'm not sure what potash is. I'm not I've heard a, that name before. <laughs> I think it has something to do with energy. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not quite sure, but uh, it is nutrients in North America and internationally. Uh, you know, their main three segments are phosphates, potash, and uh, fertile fertilizants. Uh, so it owns and operates the mines, uh, which produces the phosphate crops and nutrients. So I basically, as you kind of said, it is an agriculture company. I, I generally like businesses like this. I mean, uh, pretty, I don't know what potash is. I'd have to understand that a little bit yeah. more, but the concept is, you know, agriculture, it's, it's a basic business and it, yeah. it's, it's something that is needed in, in our society. So it, it's not like, oh, they're going to be replaced by technology or anything like that. So I, I think that is quite intriguing. Uh, current price here for Mosaic, though, it is $42.01, 52-week high, $53, and or excuse me, $43.24, and a 52-week low was $16.01. So wow, it's done quite well this year, up 83.7%. But going out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $4.96, which gives a target sell price of $82.34, so, I mean, it's still a great, great value as we look forward. I, I, I might be patient with it, though, Rich. It, it, it's gone up so much. I generally like to, to kind of wait, maybe try and get a little bit more of a pullback on it. Uh, I, I don't like to buy things when they're up, gosh, nearly 100%. Yeah. And also, too, look to see what potash. Is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> see, see what potash is because we're not really sure. That can, sounds like it's not important with the company. Unless you know. Do you know what, what that is, Rich? Well, it's a uh, fertilizer. It was real popular. It price skyrocketed back in, I think, around 2008 or something like that. It was the big, it got a lot of press and everything, but uh, it uh, I, I kind of tapered off since then, obviously. But I'm just thinking that uh, I heard a, a, a little blurb done on uh, Fox Business this last week, and they were interviewing a farmer, and he said that the price of his uh, materials and, and uh things were going to be skyrocketing boxes and fertilizers mm -hmm. and things. So I started poking around and uh, came across this company. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I agree with Chase. I, I think I'd wait for a pullback. I hate to buy things as they've gone from what low as $16 to 42. That just seems like, yeah, and it, it could go higher, but we like to kind of get things on sale, not buy them when everybody else is buying them. So I'd, I'd be patient, maybe watch it and uh, you could get something, uh, maybe next week, next month, maybe three, six months from now, but I'd, I'd say be patient as well. Already? All right. Um, sounds good. Thank you. Okay, Rich. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. You as well. Take care. Bye. Bye. -bye. All righty. That does open the phone line 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. And I actually see we have all phone lines open. So if you call in, you'll be the first up right after we talk to our financial planner. Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. Doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. I, I, I like this topic, uh, RMD for spouses with an age gap. Now, we got to be careful here, but uh, but you go ahead. And I'll tell you why you probably want to be careful here. So um, the point I wanted to make here is if you are married and you and your spouse have an age gap of 10 or more years, 
that means your RMD schedule, required minimum distribution schedule, is on a completely different schedule. And actually, it means that when you're taking RMDs, um, you are subject to a lower withdrawal rate. Now, the reason we have to bring this up and talk about it is most custodians, whether it's Charles Schwab, Vanguard, Fidelity, um, whoever, usually they don't catch this. So they'll just use the regular schedule for you and say, okay, you're 75 years old. Um, this is your RFD. This is the amount that you have to take throughout the year. You take that and then pay taxes on it. But again, if your spouse is 10 or more years younger than you are, that means you legally have to take or you're allowed to take a smaller amount subject to a different schedule. The, the only way to, to qualify for this is your spouse has to be the 100% primary beneficiary on that pre-tax account. And if they are, then you're subject to a different schedule. And you have to let your custodian know about that so that you're not taking more than you have to. And the, the reason why I say we have to be careful here is we're not advising people or guys to go out and find a younger wife so they get a better, <laughs> better, deduct, or better <laughs> table on their RMD. Uh, because it is something that, again, I, I, 10 years is a difference. And you're right, a lot of people don't under, realize that. Uh, and I actually do know quite a few guys that their wife is 10 years or or uh, younger than them that are clients and so forth. So uh, it is something that is is a positive. But here's, again, another thing that you said that many times it's kind of brushed over. And unless you have a good financial planner that picks up on that and has a little detail, it's going to cost people more money, more money taxes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, with the RMDs, you can take as much as you want if you want to, but the RMD says you have to take this minimum amount. And so if you can reduce that minimum amount that you have to take, well, you can take more if you want, but if you're able to take less, that means a lower withdrawal. That means more money staying inside that account, continuing to grow tax, tax deferred, um, lower taxes on that distribution. So to give you an idea, um, that second schedule with the 10 or more year age gap, it's dependent on your age and your spouse's age. So the table to figure this is, is massive because you have to line up your ages and everything. But just to give you an idea, if you're somebody who's 75 years old, that means your distribution from an IRA for your regular RMD would be about 4.4%. That's okay. the amount you have to withdraw from the account paid taxes on. If you're 75, but your spouse is 55, that means you have to withdraw about 3.2%. So it's not a huge difference, but you know, um, depending on the size of your IRA, that could be several thousand dollars that you don't have to take out and you shouldn't be if you don't need it and you shouldn't be take, uh, paying taxes on that money. So it's definitely something that uh, you want to be aware of. And, and, and Harrison, one thing I noticed uh, yesterday, because I, I, we call our clients you know, once a year, kind of check in and tell them what they've done and so forth. I talked to a client, she's been a client for, gosh, I think 33, 35 years now. And she's now 93. And I looked at her IRA. Her IRA is still growing because the distribution is still not taking more than what she's earning. And I was going to show it to you, and I didn't get a chance to walk across the, the hallway to you there. But, I mean, I, I'm just kind of curious when, and I think we use a annual recalculation maybe is what we're using on hers, but I'm just surprised because she's 93, and I don't know what her distribution amount is, but I look at it, the, the account's still growing even though she's taking out from it. So I'll have to show that to you on Monday. Maybe, maybe there's something else you can talk about uh, next week. 
And that's that's a very good point to bring up because, you know, once you turn, right now the law says 72, that might get increased to 75. Once you turn that age, you have to start taking those RMDs. But every year that you get older, the percentage you have to withdraw from that account goes up a little bit. But as you said, Brent, many times that account grows faster than those distributions are, which means the dollar amount that you're withdrawing every year gets larger and larger, not only because of your age, but also because of the account growth in that. So it's not a fixed amount you have to take. It's a percentage of the account also based on your age. So um, that's really the best case scenario if you can continue to grow that account over time, um, have more of that tax deferred growth, but it is going to mean more and more taxes as you get older. And eventually, as far as the distribution goes, once you get really old, uh, um, <laughs> I think the amount that you have to take is like half of the account, and that comes out at like age 100 or something like that. So they really do start uh, causing you to take out a lot. But once you're in your 70s and 80s and even in the early 90s, you can still have growth inside that account even though you're taking distributions from it. You know, I, I while you're talking about this, I, I just hate the way government does things sometimes. The way they do it is a distribution period in years why can't you just give me the percentage you know like, why can't it be like 50 percent? instead it's like at age 100 distribution period in years is 6.3 it's like why don't you just give me like 50 percent or yeah, something yeah, yeah but it this does go up to 115 and older so it, yeah. it it does kind of expand over time which uh you know I, I guess kind of protects people so it goes to 115 now yeah it used to be age 100 so now it's 115 yeah, yeah. so, so it, it does go on there and, and Harrison, this is and Chase is right. There is kind of a mystique here. Like, well, what's really going on behind the scenes? Maybe next week you can kind of share that with us. And and could there be a point that you do get like again? The, my client's ninety three. Is there a point that you should take out more? Because again, if you get to a point where okay, well now you got to take out twenty five percent of the account, that could be a big tax problem. Absolutely, and that's where the planning comes in place. Because you know, generally as we go through our lives, there's different facts tax phases that we go through depending on what your income sources are. And sometimes even when you're taking RMDs, it makes sense to take out a little bit more because we know in the future we're going to be taking out a higher amount. So that's, you know, where the understanding comes in and the, and the planning comes in. Right. All right. Well, well thanks for joining us this morning and uh, we'll see you Monday morning and uh, we'll talk to you more next week uh, right here on the Smart Investing Show. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you. I'll see you on Monday. All right, Harrison. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, again, that's uh, Harrison Johnson, our financial planner. If you do want to sit down for a free consultation with him, you can do that. Do it one or two ways. Call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And I guess you can see more about us there. You can actually email Harrison there as well. But again, it's a free consultation. And again, I think you'll be very impressed on what he has. And comparing to your current financial planner, if you don't have one, I think you might want to look into getting one. So again, that's Harrison Johnson, 858-546-4306. All right, let's go back to the calls here. The phone number's here. You're not joining the show. We've got a few minutes left here. 866-577-2473. That's 866 577 Two four seven three. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Douglas. Douglas, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brand Chase. How can we help you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm out for a walk. I love listening to you guys when I'm out walking Saturday morning. Anyway, uh, I had FedEx and I sold it after the last earnings report and I replaced it 
with Union Pacific. Okay. U N T. How do you feel about Union Pacific? You, you know, I'm glad you called about this one because I've made a lot of money over the years on a like, Union Pacific Railroad. I'm not held up for a while, so I'm always kind of curious how how it's doing. So I'm I'm glad you, you called in about it. Let's take a look at Union Pacific Railroads. Uh, not much on the short, short side there. Uh, 1.2 percent. Uh, the institutional ownership is 79.7%. P.E. ratio. Well, I, I got to ask you, uh, Douglas, what's all that background noise there? <laughs> it's a radio. Oh, okay. Can we, can we turn that down a little bit? It's, it's a little yeah, bit. Let me, okay. How's that? That's, That's much good. better. Much better. Okay. okay. The, the P.E. ratio. I'm for, out walking. I had the radio clipped to my... Oh, okay, oh, okay, 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 okay. Uh, so the PE, no problem. <laughs> PE ratio for Union Pacific, 27. That's very high, but the industry is even higher at 40.4. Price of sales, 7.7 versus 2.9. Price to tangible book value, 10.8. That is better than the industry at 15.3. Price to cash flow, 19 versus 19.6. And the PEG ratio for Union Pacific, pretty good, 1.5. I say that because the industry is at 15.7. Now, we do see that the earnings per share uh, growth of, over one year, 11.8%. That's well above the industry at 0.7. Five-year earnings per share growth for Union Pacific, 12% versus a negative 3.5 for the industry. Now, the sales growth is up a 4.9% for Union Pacific Railroad versus a negative 25.3. Five-year growth on the sales, not quite as good, only 0.6, but the industry fell by 5.1. Now, the five-year uh, growth on the earnings per share is 15.6% uh, versus 7.3. They do pay a dividend 1.8%. They use 45.2% uh, of the earnings to pay that out. We do take a look at the balance sheet here. Current ratio 0.9 versus 1.3. Debt to equity, ooh, this is not good, 210% versus 120% for the industry. So I would want to find out why is their debt so heavy? That does not make me feel comfortable. Net profit margin is very good, though, 28.6 versus 4.8. Return uh, equity, very attractive for Union Pacific, 41.1 versus 11. Jace, what do you got going forward? There's a current price here for Union Pacific. Well, that's $237.59. 52-week high, well, uh, currently, gosh, this it looks like the numbers haven't been updated yet as it's actually below that, so it, it's not quite what we want to see there. But the 52-week low is $171.50. Uh, next thing we're looking at is going forward for Union Pacific. I see in 2022, the company's estimated to make $11.34. Unfortunately, that gives a target sell price here using our 16.6 multiple for Union Pacific. Let's see, that would give us a target sell price of just $188.24. So it is a little bit pricey here, Douglas. And I, I think it is... A benefactor here, as as right. uh, we know, people are buying a ton of goods. We again know there's demand. We talked about the ships off the the ports there, but I, I just right. I don't feel comfortable with that valuation. To be to huh. be honest with you, yeah, yeah, I, I okay, yeah, I, I would have to. I would not. I would not want to hold it any longer by these levels. All right, Douglas. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Bye bye. Um, you know, Chase, it, it is funny. I, I, I don't know how long ago it was I sold Union Pacific. I want to say it was at least four or five years oh, ago. Oh, no. Longer More, than that. Longer than that. I mean, it, it, you're probably talking, gosh, because I've been, I've been with you now for over six years. Okay. So um, you're probably talking seven, eight. Did you, do you by chance have a graph of it? Because I think I sold it, I want to say, around 150 or so. And uh, I, I know we, we bought it at a very good level. I can't give too much detail because of the advertising rules. But... Uh, I'm pretty sure I sold around 150 
And if it's not split, I mean, that's not much of a gain over that that time frame. Uh, I think they must have split because back in, let's see, back in 2015, uh, it looks like it hit 123. Right. Was, was kind of the, the price. And I, I'm guessing it was around that time frame because I, I started with you full time in 2015, right. and that was kind of the peak. Um, so I'm guessing you probably sold it back then. It's actually not done that bad. Since and, then, and it's just one of these companies that I like. I mean, it, it, I just wish it wasn't so pricey because it's one of these companies that is, uh, doesn't have a lot of, you know, expenses to it. I mean, and I think they, uh, they, they get like 200 miles to the gallon or some crazy thing <laughs> wow. on, on the, on the trains. Um, it, it's just a good business to have. There's not much fanciness with it, you, you know, you get, and you got to have it, you, you know, you got to have the trains to get, you know, the goods across, you know, country and so forth. But I'm just disappointed. That's kind of pricey at this point in time. But it's one that I would like to buy again at a lower price if it went on sale. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yep. I do want to talk about real quick. I know we only got a few minutes left here, but the workforce, uh, based on a recent survey of offices in 10 major U S cities, the percentage of the workforce back in the office is now about 36%, uh, and that's compared with 31% um, the week of Labor Day. Yeah, I mean, it's still well below the 50% mark, but I, I mean, I think we could surpass that easily by January 2022. I, I, I just, I think that we will see more and more people come back to the workforce, it, it, not the workforce. I think we will see, well, people come back to the come workforce, back. number one, but also come back to the <laughs> office as well. Uh, I, I just, I don't know, the remote... It works for some people. I, I think for a majority of people, I don't know how effective it is. So we'll have to see. And actually in our office, we had a, a larger company come back, uh, and I talked to a couple of the, the women that are there, and they go, oh, it's so nice to be back. I like seeing people and doing stuff. So It I, just I, creates more of the camaraderie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, it makes it just feel good and stuff. So I, I do got to mention uh, Mel in San Diego and Bill in San Diego. I'm sorry that uh, we are out of time. Uh, please call back in next week. Uh, we'll answer your questions. I can't tell what the symbols are, uh, the companies based on that, but please call in next week. We will get to you. Yeah, I, I did want to say one thing. Um, you, you know, uh, as many people know, I, I coach uh, football at Poway High. Um, unfortunately, our, our running back, uh, his name's Connor Rath, suddenly lost his dad last week. Mm -hmm. um, just out of the blue, had no idea that it was going to happen. The family's kind of really struggling, so uh, some of the kids did set up a GoFundMe for the family. That they, kind of having some hard times, obviously getting through this. Oh. So, I wanted to point that out just for the family. Uh, if you go on GoFundMe, you just Google uh, Connor Rath. The last name is R A T H, and it's a tribute to Scott Rath is the name of the GoFundMe page. So, uh, you know, great kid, hard worker. Um, obviously, terrible to lose your dad at that yeah. age. And the dad was what, like in his fifties? In his fifties, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Young, young boy, and I think he does well at football and stuff. Oh, he, and just, he's a star yeah. running back. Great kid, too. Yeah, yeah. it's such a shame when, when that happens. And, uh, you know, th and this is why, and again, not to play off of that, but this is why you need financial planning yeah. because you need to know what you need, and, and you never know what's going to happen. Uh, to be in your 50s and have a heart attack and die is just it's, it's terrible. So we'll, we'll see what we can do to help him out as well. Yeah, so I just want to throw that out there. Again, last name is Rath, R-A-T-H. Connor's the first name. Dad's name is Scott. So yeah. any help for that family would be very helpful. Yeah. All right. Well, there's a closing bell. Thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. 
That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information tips, uh, along with investment tips, go to our Facebook uh, group page, Smart Investing with Brent Chase Wilsey. Thanks for listening to Smart Investing Show. We'll be back next week. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk with you soon.